Hello everyone, this is Shelby Johnson and welcome back to another episode of An Engineer's Journey. Let's go ahead and get right into the episode. Hello folks, both new and old. Thank you so much for joining me again if you've been here before. And thank you so much for checking out this podcast if you're brand new. Um, I'm so excited for this episode today, but before we get into it, I always start with asking that you follow me on social media. I am at Instagram at an engineer's journey. I'm on TikTok at Shelby underscore J and I'm on Twitter at Shelby Johnson. Now, every month I drop two episodes, one with a solo episode sharing advice that I wish I would have known in undergrad um, or sharing about my experience so far in my PhD journey. And then I drop another episode where I bring a guest on that has been influential in my engineer's journey and I interview them to share with you all their engineering story, to give advice that they wish they would have known, and to just hopefully serve as kind of a distant mentor to all of you who are listening. Now today we have a really cool guest coming onto the podcast that I'm really excited to introduce. He's not related to me by blood, but he might as well be family. He is my Uncle Andrew. Andrew Lindsay is a software safety and assurance engineer at NASA. He attended University of Florida for his bachelor's in electrical and electronics engineering, then Florida Atlantic University for his master's in educational leadership and administration, and another master's in electrical and electronics engineering. Please welcome Uncle Andrew to the podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. No problem. Good to see you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Excited to get into this interview. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready to go. Perfect. So let's start with the first question. What led you to pursue a degree in electrical engineering? Okay, Uh, good question. Um, So I guess it kind of started in middle school for me. Um, So, you know, You know, when I started school, there were computers, but there weren't like a lot of computers and most people didn't have computers in their homes. Um, So mainly use computers at school. So the middle school that I went to had this uh, new program where it was trying to teach young people about, um, you know, computers and the field of, of computers um, so I really loved it. You know, so one of the things that we had, we would, you know, I guess that's the first time they would allow people to take home like laptops, so to speak. There were these really big, bulky things, you know, so we're able to take them home. We did a lot of work on the uh, computers. We had projects on it. And, you know, this was kind of my first experience to that because we at the time never had our own personal computer. Um, so, you know, it was just it was just such a fun experience. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much in the process, you know, of going through those years that I knew at that point that I wanted to do. Actually, I wanted to do I think computer engineering was what I thought I wanted to do. Um, So, um, you know, so pretty much from that point, I kind of had it set in my mind what I wanted to do. I wanted to do computer engineering. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what that was at the time. I really didn't know what engineering was, to be honest with you. It was just like. In my mind, it just kind of like computer engineering. 
you know, so when I graduated from college, sorry, graduated from high school and I went to college, I knew the program I was going to do. So I signed up for um, some computer engineering courses. And um, as a part of computer engineering, you also took some electrical engineering courses at the same time. So I think um, circuits one. Um, and, um, and then you would take some computer courses. And so what kind of got me off the track from pursuing computers was one of our first classes. It was like an intro to programming class and I've never programmed in my life. And so like the first class, the first assignment was like, hello world, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, I think I could do this. And the next assignment was like, you know, design this complex system that will <laughs> transport the space station to the moon or something like that, something crazy. And I was like, what in the world is this? So needless <laughs> to say, I hated that programming class. It was just like frustrating and difficult. I just didn't understand the concept. And, um, you know, so I end up, you know, needing to like drop the class because I was just like, I, I don't know what this is. But I did really, really well in my circuits class. Um, so I reconsidered thinking that maybe I should pursue electrical engineering path versus computers. And um, and what was what's kind of great about it, um, I did... Um, um, I did eventually learn to love programming. <laughs> mm. So my first foray was kind of difficult. And I wish like there was more of a gradual introduction because I took mm. a programming, actually took several programming classes after that, um, which were more really introductory classes. Like they kind of gradually stepped you through the process of learning, you know, about programming and, um, you know, syntax and all these different things that you should do. Um, so I took some courses in that because uh, they're still really interesting to me. But uh, I knew electrical engineering was, you know, the path that I needed to go. That's really cool. And that's kind of cool that you got such an early start with it. And I feel like for a lot of people of color, I think that's what we're often missing for like getting more people into the field. So that's really cool. Yes. Um, so tell me about your career path since then. What roles have you worked in and what were some of the highs and lows of some of those positions? Pretty much after I graduated um, college, um, it was kind of a window of time where the the job market wasn't like the best uh, mm -hmm. for engineering. In fact, you know, there were some friends that got out ahead of me and like, you know, within months after getting a job, you know, they were kind of being let go. Um, so I kind of thought about what I wanted to do next. So I decided after I graduated, I just kind of went home and, um, I was thinking about doing my master's, um, but I needed to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I decided, uh, ultimately I decided to like, um, getting to teaching. And so, you know, as I was teaching, you know, I did that for a while and I was thinking, well, you know, maybe is this what I was supposed to be doing? Or is this my calling, you know, to teach or something like that? Um, but I realized, although um, it was, there was such great lessons I learned through the process and, um, you know, the kids were great. I mean, obviously kids are kids, so, you know, they, they know how to give you a hard time. Um, but um, I realized, even though there was a lot I was learning through the process, I knew it wasn't my final step. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't my end of the road or this wasn't like the, where I would end up. So um I really, really committed to go back to school um, at some point. Um, but um, before that happened, um, I, when I first got out, I was teaching math um, in a high school setting. And then um, this 
new federally funded grant program came about where they were trying to introduce um, uh, minority schools that they were mainly from minority schools about um, STEM, mm -hmm. you know, the STEM program. Um, so uh, there were several schools that were interviewing for these magnet coordinators to kind of lead these programs. And interestingly enough, the school that I interviewed and got hired at was the same middle school that I went to. Mm. Um, so um, I was I was excited about the opportunity in so many different ways, because like I told you before, my first four way or interest into like uh, really the seeing how the sciences and math could be a career oriented thing was at that middle school. So I was really excited about being able to, you know, introduce young adults to, you know, uh, you know, the idea of engineering and science and math and, you know, the things that we do. And it's not just like the things you write down on your paper, but we're using also in, in um, you know, in the world and in creative and innovative ways. So um, so I went to do that and actually um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, at that time, really kind of doing it really kind of like. I don't know, what in my appetite, I said, man, I really, really miss this. I really mm -hmm. wish I could be doing this more. So um, I decided to do my master's in um, uh, engineering, in, in electrical engineering. Um, and so um, I finished uh, my master's as I was uh, working in the program. I was overseeing the program. And um, my last semester before I was going to um, graduate, um, I got an offer um, to uh, take a job in Houston at NASA. Um, so, you know, so that's kind of how I ended up, ended up here. Um, so I might have answered a couple of questions. Any, any follow-up or do you want me to keep on going? <laughs> uh, no, it's pretty good. I, but yeah, definitely keep on going. So what do you do now at NASA? Um, what does that role look like? And maybe we could even go into a little bit of what was kind of the biggest difficulty in the switch and what were some of the most transferable skills? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, I, I took an unusual path, you know, to get from, um, you know, schooling to the career that I got in. And I did spend a lot of time teaching, um, you know, actually, if I think if you do the numbers, I probably spent more years teaching than I have been working at NASA. Um, and so I think initially for me, um, in a couple of different ways as just, you know, coming into a newer field, I was just like, man, can I really do this job? There was a lot of self-doubt, you know, I was like, mm -hmm. man, I don't know if I could really do this. And then when you kind of get into it, you know, you realize that minorities are a very smaller subset of, you know, the workforce. Mm -hmm. So you really kind of felt like, oh, man, I really need to make sure I, uh, you know, represent a community well. I need to make sure I just do a good job and perform well because, you know, this could be a stepping stone for somebody behind me or it could be a stumbling block, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how I did things. So I, I feel that, you know, that resonated with a lot with me. Um, but pretty much, you know, once I once I got there, um, you know, I I put a lot of those things outside of my mind and I just went to work. You know, um, I, I really kind of delved in very deeply into just kind of learning, you know, the things that I would be doing on a daily basis and, you know, um, you know, asking for help when I needed help. You know, um, but interestingly enough, a lot of the skills that I, I use while I was teaching you know, like presenting to a group or being able to read a room to understand like, hey, am I getting my message across? 
um, and being able to kind of change midstream on, you know, how I'm presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you know, trying to present information in different ways, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, you know, when we do presentation, you know, we'll throw a whole bunch of words on the screen and just expect people to read it. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of times I try to do visual things, you know, just because, that's, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe that would be more helpful. Um, and, um, and also like in, as when I was doing the magnet program and I was like overseeing, uh, people, I was overseeing projects and activities, you know, when I came into, uh, the workforce, a lot of those skills I already knew how to do, Mm. I was able to use that, you know? So like, if I saw like I could help in a particular way, whether it's like, you know, organizing our schedule as a team, or, um, I can, look at shortcomings in different areas and kind of say, Hey, maybe what about if this person were to do that? I think that would help. Um, so, you know, having those experiences really helped me mm-hmm. <laughs> in many ways. And I know it might sound unusual, but uh, it's really helped me in, in many different ways. And in fact, like in the career now, a lot of times people say, man, I really think the reason why you do so well, you know, is because of that teaching experience that mm-hmm. you have you know, that you brought to the table. Um, so um, yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, some of the things I would kind of say. Yeah. And it's especially with the presenting part. So interesting. You bring that up because in one of the, en- one of the other interviews for this season, it's with Elise, she's a consultant. Um, and she was sharing that's been her most difficult transition from engineering school to being a consultant mm-hmm. because it's hard to know, like she's working with a lot of business students. A lot of times she's making presentations for like leaders in companies, not engineers. And it, sometimes it's hard for her to think about what they just want to see or how to best present it for them to understand. And I feel like in engineering school, we're rarely ever taught that it's just like show all this data, you run all these numbers and no one talks about like how important it is to be able to relay that information properly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to add to that, you know, kind of like talking about reading the room, you know, there's a lot of times um, you know, so in NASA, we deal with a lot of things related to um, in, in the field that I specifically work in is safety. So, you know, a lot of times engineers and they're doing great work and, you know, they're just giving you all the information. And sometimes they present the information in a way that's kind of like unusual. Mm-hmm. And then it, it requires a lot of concern. Like, oh, what did that mean? What did he mean about that? You know, and and sometimes you realize that, um, you know, the way you present you know, will impact overall how successful you are to um, to get your information across. You know, sometimes you sometimes you're giving way too much information. You're getting mm-hmm. way too in the weeds, and you're using terms that you know we might uh, interpret them differently, and then it just confuses people, mm-hmm. and it just makes it a lot more difficult. So I think you know, and I've tried to help people like as they're doing their presentation, say, hey, let's let's consider you know maybe um, focusing on this and not as much on that. You know, because we don't want to we want to guide the conversations. We want to we want to we want to help guide them through what we're presenting and not that we're trying to hide anything. Um, but, you know, some of the extra stuff will really kind of um, create some confusion and maybe some unnecessary um, confusion, I guess. Yeah, that's something I realized. In like my internships because at first like I would make a presentation and if they ask questions and I could answer them I'd be like oh well like I did a good job but sometimes you realize that the questions they had should have been answered in the presentation or like you said way too much to lead to a question that probably didn't need to come up in the first place like mm-hmm. obviously if there's like no questions that can sometimes be kind of not great either mm-hmm. but I think I just thought I was like oh if they have questions and I answer them like 
great job, but a lot of times you could probably knock out some of that confusion a lot earlier on. Yes, yes, yes. And sometimes, yeah, the whole saying too much is one of our biggest dangers, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you mentioned safety at, NAS at NASA. That's what you work in. So what does that typically look like? Because I'm sure there's like a lot of dangerous things that can yeah. happen at NASA. Yeah, you know, so, um, you know, so one of the interesting things about working at NASA is that, you know, um, although, you know, in, people will give it a school for different uh, expertise um, or in specific areas, the way that we do things here is very unique to the type of business we run. And I guess that would make sense for anyone in any field, you know, whether you're working in um, building cell phones or, or working in a chemical plant, you can still go to school and gain the knowledge and still be able to work in either one. So there's a lot of onboarding that you kind of have to do a lot of learning of the culture and the and the specifics of the work that they do that really kind of helps you to be successful. So uh, specifically, you know, what I do in, in safety is that uh, particularly the, the, top, the job I have right now is integrating with a lot of our commercial customers that bring um, supplies to the space station. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are familiar with a SpaceX, you know, because, um, you know, they're in the news and doing all these different things. And so uh, when NASA a few years back went away with the shuttle program, they still needed to go back and forth to the space station. And really the only game in the show at the time was the, uh, the Russians um, or cosmonauts. Um, so um, you know, when there's a monopoly, that's never beneficial for anyone. <laughs> So uh, from then they started uh, trying to get uh, commercial entities to kind of take up that effort to try to, you know, bring uh, commercial resupply back back and forth to the station. Um, so SpaceX is doing that. Uh, another company called uh, Cygnus or, um, or Norfolk Grumman is another company that does that. And then the one particularly that I'm working with is a company uh, that's kind of based in Colorado called Sierra Space. So... <laughs> Um, we have a, a, a list of requirements that um, providers need to meet to be able to connect to our space station so that, you know, they don't cause problems for us and we don't cause problems for them. So whether it's communication, whether it's the airflow um, or, oxy or oxygen, we don't need we don't want to build up too much oxygen because that could be flammable mm -hmm. or, um, you know, how they're cooling their vehicle or, or keeping it warm, you know, the avionics, if there was some type of fire that were to happen, you know, how, um, you know, they need to have ways to address all these things. So if you were, if you would look at, you know, there's all these requirements and some of them are very engineering specific on like, hey, you know, your plug needs to be this size, you know, or your connector needs to have this way to kind of turn or lock in. There are also safety specific requirements that we have that says, um, you know, if there's a fire, you need to be able to extinguish it mm. and they need to have fire ports and you need to be able to send some type of warning to the uh, to the overall space station. And you need to um, do all these different things. So there's a whole subset of safety requirements. So my my role or my responsibility is to ensure that uh, Sierra is ultimately meeting all of the safety requirements in our safety book for commercial uh, vehicles. Um, so, 
I would say I'm 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 not knowledgeable in every areas because there's stuff about you know pyrotechnics, there's stuff about propulsions, there's stuff about you know the the environment, uh, which we'll call eclipse, so the inside of the thing, and I'm just not as knowledgeable. So uh, I had lead, I helped to lead the safety effort, but there's a lot of engineers that work um, uh, in in conjunction with me to make sure that um, one you know, they're meeting the specific requirement. And then two, if there's any potential um, safety concerns with how they're doing thing, that we address it appropriately. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we'll write is we write these things called hazard reports mm -hmm. that will identify anything that could be dangerous uh, or anything that could be an impact to the station or the crew. And when those hazard reports are written, we have to identify, you know, what's the hazard, what can cause it, and then how do we control it? Um, you know, so I help integrate um, with the provider and their safety team with our NASA uh, safety team and engineering team to kind of make sure they're meeting all of our safety requirements. Very cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. And like, I don't know, probably a lot of interesting going, interesting things going on from day to day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One thing I would say is that I really enjoy about my job is there's a lot of variability, you know. Mm. There's, there's something new every day. You're learning something new. And right. So I'm not an expert in propulsion, but when I sit in the meetings and kind of hear them talking about it, I'm learning a little bit more about kind of how it works and how it integrates. Um, and I think it's really great. Um, one of the greatest things I like about my job is that, you know, it's really something new every day. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. Well, so for a little bit of a pivot back to kind of your education and your journey, something I feel like that comes up a lot I guess I've heard from people who maybe aren't as like close to engineers or engineering disciplines um is like whether like a graduate degree is a requirement and of course the answer is pretty much no for engineering versus some other disciplines and like health sciences and stuff like you don't you can go right from your bachelor's and technically get a job um but I feel like it's becoming more common for people to get like a master's or a PhD these days so what would you recommend to someone considering whether or not they should pursue a master's in an engineering discipline? That is a great question. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, I think, you know, I try to think back if I didn't, if I didn't go down the path that I went, you know, for example, if I came straight out of school and just started going straight into engineering, would I have a pursuit of master? Um, I, I, I would like to think I would, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would definitely I'm glad that I did it. And I think it's one of the best uh, decisions that I've made is to kind of do that. You know, and one thing I like about it is that, right. So your bachelor's degree normally takes about four years. Your master's degree takes half of that. And, you know, and I also feel like, you know, just the mindset of instructors, uh, instructors and just the program is just, I feel it's very different to undergrad. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times in undergrad, you know, they have these things that we call weed out classes that it's just harder than it really needs to be. And um, it's a lot more on, you know, uh, testing and, you know, information and testing that you remember that information. Um, and, you know, and there's definitely some technical aspects, the foundations that you learn, which are very important. I feel like um, in the master's, it was definitely the master's program that I did. It was more project-based learning. So it was definitely, you know, a lot of technical information, but they also wanted you to try to use it in a practical way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your assignments will kind of have you have real world types of, you know, experiments or, 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 or um, lessons, you know, in conjunction with the 
um, you know, uh, comprehension type learning activities, you know, uh, hey, do these several problems and solve these problems. But there's a lot, almost all the classes uh, that I can remember right now all had some project-based activity connected to that so that you would learn. So it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed my undergraduate <laughs> uh, just because of, I feel like it was it was more about it. And I feel like the professors were were more in tune of trying to kind of like help you to get to the end. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I didn't always necessarily feel that for undergraduate, you know. Um, so um, so I really enjoyed it. Now, in my career path, I also found it beneficial because one of the things um, when I first started working and I and let me kind of make this um, clarification. So when I first came over to NASA, I was working for a subcontractor, mm. you know, a company. So uh, a company that does work for NASA. And so uh, there were there was an opportunity to, to come on fully as a, um, a government employee or civil servant. Mm. And so, you know, when I applied for that position and I interviewed for the position, I ultimately did get the position. And one of the things that people said that, you know, they think that really helped me over others is that I had a master's and some mm. of the other group did not, even though I didn't have as much experience mm. as a lot of them, you know, people had a lot more experience than I did. But because I had that master's, I think that really kind of helped me to stand out. Mm. Um, and another thing I want to mention is that, you know, as I integrate, integrate with other like engineers or people who work there, having a master's is very common, you know, mm. uh, so you know, you'll see like um, more of the younger people that come in, um, you know, whether they come in through um, some type of um, internship um, or a traditional career path. A lot of them, um, you know, e even if they just have their blaster bachelors, they're working towards to get their master's. Mm. A lot of them, you know, uh, a lot of people that I met at the younger side, they they already they you know they they kind of had their masters. So I, I I feel like it's a change in mindset. The more mm. the younger generation pursuing the masters, um, obviously it's not required, mm. like you're saying. Um, but I I felt that um, I did feel that there was um, there was a benefit in the things that I learned from my bachelor's to my master's that was definitely, um, significantly different or, or more helpful. I'll, I'll say that way. And then, um, I also feel that our, the force is getting a little bit more competitive now mm -hmm. with more, uh, younger folks coming in with uh, the mindset of getting a master's or already have a master's. So I think it's beneficial. I'd recommend it for anyone who could do it. It's two years. You already, you know, you did four years for your bachelor's. Then you, know, you just got to do half the time to get a master's. Um, and I think you would enjoy, you know, a little bit more. And the option too is that you potentially could work and do the master's at the same time, which a lot of mm. people are doing as well. Um, you know, but if you could go straight without working, you know, that'd be great too. Mm. Yeah, and I also wonder. Like, cause I know there's a lot of schools now that are starting to do this thing where it's like you do one extra year with a master's, yes. like you take a couple in your bachelor's and you just do one more year. So I wonder if that might also be why it's becoming more common. Cause a lot of times it's like cheaper than going back and paying for a full two years. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. There are definitely some of these five-year programs mm -hmm. where you get your master's in five years. So I feel like, right. If you come in with a mindset of like trying to do that, I feel that, right. You can save a lot of money and you can be very strategic about how you go through things. But, mm -hmm. you know, like some people, you know, uh, they come in and not really a hundred percent sure what they want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I still feel that like you can still go back and get your master's.
Okay, perfect. So another question, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that trying to switch your career, doing the master's and then having to switch your career from what you were doing probably required maybe some level of networking or like meeting people or, you know, some level of interviews to be able to get the new position at NASA. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to improve their networking skills, but feels uncomfortable putting themselves out there? Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, one thing I would say is that there's a lot of opportunities to network now in this digital age. LinkedIn Mm -hmm. is really valuable um, for you, you know, um, because, uh, you know, a lot of times um, I would put things on LinkedIn um, and people will reach out to me, you know, because they'll see my profile, you know, so that's 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 one opportunity to do that. But I think another opportunity, especially when you get into the workforce, is to try to, um, you know, um, uh, there's a lot of times we will have um, these type of um, social activities or these activities, so to speak, where, um, you know, they will have like, you know, upper management with uh, some other folks just kind of casually talking um, and I think, you know, um, you know, those are opportunities just to kind of, you know, meet with people, talk with people. And, you know, and I think if you go in with the mindset of just trying to um, make relationships versus trying to like, hey, how can I convince this person to give me a job? Um, I think I think it takes a little bit of the stress off, you know, that, you know, you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to talk to this person, you're trying to develop a relationship. And a lot of times, just by, you know, having that mindset, you know, and you really kind of relax yourself and show people who you are, they're like, hey, you know, this is this is a nice person. I think they might fit within the culture of what we're trying to do here. Um, but it is it is, you know, very valuable to do that, you know, and especially as you um, you try to move up the line of um, work. You know, networking is is very uh, important, you know, a very important skill to learn or, or to do um, just so that you are, um, one, making good relationships and maybe it might be a relationship that's a mentorship type relationship. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many people are, are, are very willing to kind of like, you know, encourage you on your path and help you in your path. And that and that enough could be all the um all that you might really need from that person. Mm. Um, And then, um, you know, and then there might be other relationships that really help you to get kind of more into a career path. Um, So, um, so I would say, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. Definitely recommend that, you know, like I said, you know, LinkedIn and and try to uh, uh, connect with people in that ways, but in your work environments, you know, you, 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 you try to do your best to um, uh, connect or talk with people. So in NASA, I kind of mentioned this. It's um, um, so our 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 supervisors or our managers. It's part of their responsibility to try to help us to try to um, um, get more um, visibility is the Mm -hmm. term. You know, so it's also good, you know, to kind of talk with you know leads or managers and you know kind of communicate your overall goals and stuff like that. And sometimes they can kind of help guide you or even connect you with the, some people um, in areas of interest. Um, I know that might sound a little weird, you know, cause some people might think, well, Hey, if I tell my manager, I want to like go do this, I might like try to fire him or something like that. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, it's about developing relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and 
helping them understand like where you're really trying to go. And I think, you know, they'll try to help you. And a lot of times they have connections that you don't have and they can help you get connected with uh, some of those people. But, you know, like I said, the key is stop trying to think about what you're trying to get out of this person, but more Mm -hmm. so think about, you know, um, you know, what type of relationships you can develop through this process of networking. Mm. That's great advice. Thank you. Um, another question, I actually didn't intend to ask this, so I'm putting you on the spot, um, but it's a question I asked to Dr. Paula Hammond, head of the chemical engineering department here, and she has a very busy life um, along with a family. And I feel like you're a good question also to pose this with, because I know you have a fairly large family, you're very involved in their lives, you did a, a master's at one point, you were working, like how do you balance it all um, and find the time to give, I guess, your best self to all these different places yeah. and people? That's a great question. Um, I guess it's priorities. You kind of have to prioritize things. And, um, you know, uh, if you want to do something successful, you, you're you're going to have to take time away from one thing to devote it to something else, you know? So, um, you know, when I was, um, you know, when I had a family, and um, I was starting to do my master's. I had to like, you know, some of the things I had to do is take time away from the family to go study. You know, I had to mm-hmm. go to the library, you know, to go study or, you know, what I will do is sometimes I had to sacrifice sleep and, you know, wait till like you know, the kids were sleeping and then go to the library and study, you know, and I still had to wake up in the morning to go to work and do all these different things. So, I mean, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to like moment uh, in moments in your t- moments in your throughout your week or your day, you're going to have to devote more time to one thing and focus on that versus another thing. It's impossible to give you hundred percent on everything, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing is like, you know, especially when you're doing your master's or when you're doing school and it, it requires uh, time away from family or time away from things that you want to do. I think, you know, you always just have to remind yourself, this is just a moment in time. You know, this mm-hmm. is just a few years of your life that requires just this great dedication. And, you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, the thing is like, you know, having, you know, a family or young kids, you know, a lot of times they are supportive and younger kids, they're pretty resilient, you know, mm-hmm. and they will understand, you know, a lot of times they understand that, Hey, you know, daddy or mommy has to go do these different things, you know, but, even though you're doing those things, you still have to make some time, you know, you still have to make some time for uh, those relationships, you know, because those are the most, I believe, most important relationships in your life, you know, uh, your family um, and your friends, you know, it's still important to like, you know, spend a few minutes, you know, um, and, and talk to friends and connect with them because one, um, you're you're trying to there's those are relationships that you're trying to keep for a lifetime mm-hmm. but also like the mental health aspect about it you know if you just try to put your head in work all the time I just don't feel that um, I, I feel that you definitely can do it um, but I feel that um, I feel that you kind of help yourself along the way um, when you give yourself these little breaks and connect with people that a lot of times they're just going to encourage you you know they're going to you know, they'll give you some feedback and, you know, they'll even give you opportunity to just stop focusing on this one thing for a few minutes, this little break so that you can think about something else, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I had to, um, I did have to sacrifice time away from the family. Um, and it's very important that you talk to you know, those people in your life to kind of let them know what your plans or goals are. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had to do is I had to kind of set up a schedule of like when I would study 
when I would, um, you know, do family time, you know, when I would work, I had, I really had to kind of like regiment that. Um, mm. Because if you just, uh, I mean, people could do it, but I felt if I just try to like, hey, let me, whenever I have time, I'll do this. Or whenever time I'll do that, it just never worked well. Mm. But when I regiment, hey, through this time and this time is family time, through this time, this time is study time, this time and this time is work time. And then I, you know, take a break in between. Um, I, I think that really helped me. Perfect. Thanks so much for that. Um, so we're coming to the end here. Just a couple more questions. First, the engineering field is not very diverse. Um, what has been your experience as a black man in the field? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say it's, um, um, you're right. It's not very diverse <laughs> in many ways, you know, so there's not always a lot of people of color in there, but there's not also a lot of women sometimes, you know, in some of the rooms. There's times that I'll walk into rooms and, um, you know, uh, they're they're all, you know, white males or, um, you know, or there might be white males and females. Um, but I, I would say that um, I've learned, uh, and this might sound strange to some people, but I've learned to kind of not see uh, um, race sometimes. Uh, or, or a lot of times I, 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 I've learned to kind of just kind of ignore it because I feel that in, in a field that we're in, you know, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of minorities in the field. So I, I don't really see it. And I think um, my experience is that people just want to know that you can do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to know that you are you're uh, you're um, you're dedicated. You're a hard worker. You're knowledgeable. And I think if they see those things, then they, um, you know, they'll they'll definitely support you. You know, there's definitely times I felt like I've felt challenged, like someone came at me a little aggressive. Mm. You know, I thought there was a little weird or they trying to challenge me to see if I knew what I was talking about. I definitely felt that I could experience that. But it, it was it's it is not a normal thing, mm. you know, and it's not a common thing. And um, I feel that, um, you know, people are, are very supportive. Um, and I really and I just really like NASA because it's just like it's just a community of uh, people who are going through similar things. You know, I meet a lot of young families who have kids and, you know, you know, we'll have birthday parties and, you know, we'll sit and talk. And you realize that, you know, what they're going through, you're going through, too. Mm. So, so we're all kind of going through the same types of things. And I think um, if we focus more on what we have in common versus what we don't have in common, I feel we get so much further in life. So um, I think I've, I've learned and, I, you know, I kind of mentioned this, like, you know, um, so growing up, you know, a little bit of my background, if I did mention, you know, I was born in Jamaica. So if you could kind of think of what Jamaica is. And then um, when I came to the States, you know, I went to like a predominantly uh, black uh, elementary school, predominantly black middle school. And then uh, for uh, two years, I went to a predominantly black high school. And then my mom's job moved us to Tampa. And at that point, we went to a school where it was uh, it was a predominantly white school. You know, and I think that was kind of an eye open moment for me at that time, because I just I was never experienced with that. But I'm also really glad I went through that because I've met some of the most coolest people in the world, mm -hmm. um, and some of the nicest people in the world. And it really, I think, uh, changed some of the uh, misconceptions that I've had, you know, about people. Um, and then since that point, I feel like I've 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 been able to not view I've been able to kind of like um not really focus on color as I had maybe previously in the past and just kind of focus on you know you know what's the task that we're working on you know or or relationships and like I said well, a lot of times we're going through the same things 
um, you know, no matter what culture that we're in. So, um, so it's been a good experience for me. Um, I know that's not always true for everyone. Um, I've definitely heard stories from others who say that they've, you know, they've noticed certain things or slights in different ways. And, and to be honest, it's going to happen. Um, it's just, you know, we have to be honest about those things, but I feel if we, um, if we can focus on doing our best at what we do, people will acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much truth that I feel like I was having this conversation with someone the other day because kind of like what you were saying, like I went to like a predominantly white high school before that I was going to mostly like predominantly black schools. And so I feel like I learned to adjust to that kind of, but I think it can be sometimes hard for students who have like gone their whole life and predominantly whatever race environment and then are thrown into such a homogenous one. And that's why I was kind of telling them, I was like, you know, like, of course, on the broader scale of things, yes, like we should be working to make it more diverse. Like I've been very involved in my school and stuff and in improving diversity initiatives. But like on the day to day, you can't just go into it every day thinking like, oh, I'm the only black person here. Like, like it's a horrible way to like live and work. And I, as I was talking to someone close to me and that's kind of how he's been like struggling on his job. It's like every day, like I look around and I'm the only person here and I'm like, it's good to be aware of that to help change it, but you cannot every day be thinking that, or you cannot do your work. Exactly. So yeah, that's it'll, drive important point. it'll drive you crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll have conversations with some people and they're like, man, did you notice that you're the only whatever in the room I was like, you know, I actually didn't, I didn't notice yeah. that. <laughs> I just stopped paying attention to it because once again, like, you know, when I walk into a room or whenever I'm doing something, I'm just thinking about the work, you mm-hmm. know, like, hey, what needs to get done? And I just focus on that. Um, and so very rarely nowadays I will kind of think about, hey, you know, by the way, I'm the only whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, and like I said, if you if 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 you are if you had to deal with that or if that if you constantly had to think about it every day, I just don't know how you would survive, mm-hmm. especially in, um, you know, some of the workforces that we work in, especially engineering. And also side question, this isn't on here, but do you guys have affinity groups at like NASA where it's like, you know, the black employee group where you can interact and stuff? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they have, um, they're called E, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Is it ERGs? ERGs, yes. Okay, I've heard uh, that. So they have, you know, Hispanic, they have um, Nesby, they have a Nesby group here. Hmm, that's cool. Um, and they have, um, you know, other groups for different different areas. So the, the, there still is that, you know. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I would say, I don't know, I feel that uh, even though, like, you know, uh, uh, we, we do work in the engineering field, I've been really impressed with NASA because I feel that there's a lot more diversity I see in NASA than when I would see, let's say, visiting, like, you know, other vendors, you know. Mm. Um, so uh, I think culturally they're doing a great job in, in integrating diversity and this across the board you know mm-hmm. i'm not talking about you know african-americans you know women mm-hmm. um other mighty groups you know whether you know asian groups or whatever groups you know i feel that i feel like you know i see a lot of diversity so i'm always happy to see that yeah okay cool well we're down to the last question as you know the title of the podcast is called an engineer's journey and so i like to wrap up by asking my guests what advice do you have for someone on their engineer's journey yeah so you know i would say and you know and i try to men- and i do do some mentorships i tell people hey just try to enjoy the ride you know so you never know how your path is going to necessarily go so a lot of times you know i think we have a, uh, you know, we might have a plan in our heads that, hey, you know, I'm going to go from point A to point B to point C or whatever. And sometimes you might go from A, you know, to 
you know, the D or, you know, you might go different directions or go, go a completely opposite direction that you were thinking of going. And, you know, like even when I was teaching, you know, um, there's a point in time that I knew that I wanted to try to get into engineering, but every day I came to work with the desire to do the best that I can, you know, for the kids and for myself too. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go to a place where I felt like I hated it and I'm grumpy because I thought that would show. So every day I gave a hundred percent, you know, um, you know, I'd spend a lot of time preparing lessons. I'll spend time, you know, after school and, you know, no one's paying you at that point, you know, for after school programs, activities, you know, just so some kids would have a place to go and to hang out, you know, I would, you know, pull kids aside and talk to them, you know, because, you know, I, I wanted to do the best at what I was doing um, in the moment that I was in, you know, so um, I, so I told myself, hey, I'm just going to enjoy the ride and wherever the path takes me, you know, it takes me. And there are also lessons, there are lessons you can learn in unusual places, mm. you know, that will really benefit you in the career um, that you're going to that you're going to end up into, you know, and I think that ultimately what we want to do is that we want to be a better person every day. Mm. And if we allow ourselves to uh, learn from some of the lessons that are in our lives that are coming to our face, even when they things don't go our way, you know, even when something goes your way, you can learn something from that. You know, I think we can really grow to be um, better people um, day by day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, you know, so that's what I would say, you know, I would just say, hey, just try to enjoy the ride um, and, um, you know, um, be open to things not working always as you intended, mm-hmm. um, you know, because um, I feel that at the end of the road, you know, you'll be happy with the results no matter how it pans out. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for the advice and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Of course.